0: Uh, we are in our series on the seven deadly sins, and we are on the sixth of the seven deadly sins. We've covered a lot of ground in the last several weeks, and I think this has been a pretty amazing series, as I've spoken to many of you. Uh, it's been quite surprising as we've gone through these uh, and, and to really put a spotlight on many of these different sins. And I think uh, for several of us, it's been really surprising because we, we found that stuff we didn't think we struggled with, we actually do. And, and we're moving into this sixth sin. It's the sin of greed. Now, greed, I, I I don't know if you're a little bit like me. I'm a kid of the 80s. So when I think of greed, I think of the movie uh, Wall Street. And it had Michael Douglas in it. And uh, he plays this character named Gordon Gekko, who is this uh, corporate raider. He goes in, he buys companies, and he splits them up and sells them off in pieces to make a big profit on it. And in uh, one of his the most famous parts of the movie... Um, he actually he says this. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, for lack of a better word, g- greed is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, captures the es- essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed and all of its form, greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge has the, marked the upward surge of mankind. Now, many would agree with his words. That greed is good. And many of us, uh, if we really get into it, we see that we are greedy. But when we get into it and we look at what the Word of God says about it, and we see that the the Word clarifies what the world tries to sell to us each and every day. See, the world wants us to believe that greed is good. We want to get more money, more stuff. But as one uh, famous philosopher said, more money, more problems. Um, and, And that's really what we have going on. We get more money, we get more problems. And we got issues. And we we have to understand that. We we have to understand what does the Bible say about it. Because, you know, the Bible does talk about money. Because really, when we get down to it, money is a reflection of our spirituality. It really is. It gets to the heart of it. And the Bible talks a great deal about money. Matter of fact, the Bible talks more about money than it does about heaven and hell combined. So with that in mind, that means that money permeates every single person. One of us in some way, shape, or form. It casts a shadow on all of us. None of us are exempt. We all got bills, rents, mortgages, payments. I mean, we all have to deal with money day in and day out. And the Bible is showing us how we are to deal with our money. And not just how to deal with our money, but to deal with this deadly sin of greed. Because in America, I mean, we have a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And yet, no matter how much stuff we have, it's never enough. John D. Rockefeller, the great millionaire, he was uh, told how much how much money is enough for you to be satisfied. Know what he said? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more, right? That's all it is. That's all we want. Just a little bit more. A little bit more, we'll be happy. A little bit more, we'll be okay. And then we get that more, and then what happens? Just a little bit more just a little bit more. And so the Bible speaks to that. So today we're going to look in see what greed is. We're going to see how it affects us. We're going to see what it what it does to us, how it how it permeates our lives. And then we're going to see what the Bible's prescription is on it. And so and, and that how we might leave it behind and try to live the way that God wants us to live. So let's take a moment and ask for him to bless our message time together. Father, we do come into your presence knowing that you have spoken to us through your word and that your word will not return void but will accomplish every purpose for which you have intended it and lord today i pray that your word might explode cut through the unbelief that is uh, crusted over on our hearts that might clear it away that we might see you clearly so speak to us draw us near to yourself we pray your blessing on us now in jesus name amen so the first thing I want to do before we really get into our text for today, I want to get a panorama. I want to fully view a panorama. You know, it gets everything. A, f- a panorama of greed. So that's the first thing I want you to write down. We're going to get a panorama of greed. Now, it is an insatiable desire. I've got a definition for you today. It is an insatiable desire to accumulate more. It is an insatiable desire to accumulate more no matter and, and it 's hard to deal with I, I mean really it is pervasive it is everywhere it is pervasive that's the next point pervasive whether it 's the corporate executive seeking the next rush of a deal the wife wanting more clothes or shoes or the child wanting more Lego toys it 's never enough for us as it says in the book of Proverbs chapter thirty verse fifteen through sixteen the leech has two suckers that cry out, more, more. There are three things that are never satisfied. No, four that never say enough. The grave. Sheol is always wanting, it's, it's, the grave is, is death itself. Death never is satisfied. Always wanting more, 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 more. He's, he's observing the natural world and seeing how even the fallen world is greedy and wants more and more and longs for more. The barren womb, the thirsty desert, and the blazing fire that it permeates all of our world, the natural creation. Uh, it, it is pervasive, and it affects every one of us. Now, it, though it's primarily referring to money, it can be much more than that, but we're going to focus mainly on the financial aspect of it, because we all have to deal with money, and money is the root of all evil. Actually, it's not quite. Look at this. first. Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money. So it's not just money itself. It is the love of money, and all the money can buy. That's the the problem. And it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It's the love of what money can buy, and people want more, and they want more prestige and more fame and more notoriety and more likes on their Instagram and, and more people to follow them in social media and more fame, and we want more and we want more, and it's never enough. Because you know why? It can't satisfy. It can't satisfy. No matter how much money you get, it can't satisfy. Matter of fact, uh, Kyle Long, who plays for the Chicago Bears, signed a huge contract just uh, the, this last week. And in this, they said, hey, what's it, know to lo- know that you're, uh, what's it like to know that you're set for life with this massive contract? And you know what he said? He goes, it's not really setting for life. He goes, if, if finances is life, then what is life? He sees it as a tool. He uses it as a tool. So we see, though, people going off and piercing themselves, trying to get that extra job or get ahead to get that bigger house so other people can look at them and see how good they are, that nicer suit or that nicer car, and give them more respect and whatever it might be. And people are trying to get more and more and more and more and more. But the reality is is it can't satisfy. It can't. So we see that it's pervasive, though. It hits every one of us, and it's extremely powerful extremely powerful. As Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. See, we all deal with greed in one way or another because we all have to deal with money. The Bible, again, speaks a great deal about it. And we are even warned to keep ourselves away from this love of money. As Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We know that it's pervasive and powerful. But now I want to look at how it shows up in our everyday lives. And I, see how, I want us to examine and see its presence in our lives. And we're going to look at this passage. We're going to draw it out. And we're going to see a lot of ourselves in this passage. And we have this guy that is coming to Jesus. He's coming to Jesus. And he says something very interesting. Look at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Now, first thing, and it's most obvious thing, is it affects our financial decisions. This guy is coming to Jesus and wants to know about money. I got a financial situation, Jesus, and I need you to help me with this. And, and it, it affects us. But this guy really is greedy. And he, wants, he said his brother got inheritance, and he didn't. Now, in the ancient world, especially within the Middle East, it was often uh, the oldest child that received the inheritance, and the the second child would receive a smaller inheritance, if any at all. And this one, uh, it seems like he received the entire inheritance, the oldest brother did. And the younger brother's like, tell my brother to to give me some of this money. I want some of the money. Now, how many of us have ever dealt with that situation in a family? Right? You want to get your family in a fight? Let's talk about money. Especially inheritance. Great-grandma died. She left you some money. But she didn't leave clear instructions on how it's going to be divided up. You're going to have a fight. You're going to have a struggle. Because people all want their fair share. So it, it, it affects our financial decisions. I mean, it does. Money plays a huge part in how we view life and what we do and the choices that we make. We all want more. Here we see that we need to have the right just enough. But what's enough? We need all the bells and whistles. You know, I I, I was studying for this message and I came across a story of Lee Iacocca who was the uh, chairman, uh, of the head of Ford Motor Company for a period of time. And he was forced to rethink his motives and answer some gut-level questions regarding his reasons for hanging on so tenaciously to his job at Ford. And then he ended up leaving and going on to Chrysler and totally turned the whole company around. But he he makes this confession of greed. He says uh, it was, first of all, really hard for him to turn his back on almost a million-dollar-a-year salary, and this is in the 80s. Plus, perks that he got. I mean, this is a guy who had white coated waiters available at the snap of his fingers and a chauffeur to and from work. He found it extremely difficult to put on the brakes. In a moment of vulnerable honesty, Ayacocco admitted uh, that out of the seven deadly sins, greed is by far the worst. He quotes his Italian born father who said this My father always said, Be careful about money. When you have 5,000, you'll want 10. When you have 10, You'll want 20. He's right. No matter how much you have, it's never enough. You get this car, you want that car. You get that clothes, you want this clothes. It keeps going over and over and over again. It causes f- problems. I mean, it can be seen in our financial decisions and it can also be seen in our family conflicts. Our family conflicts. Notice it affects this family, it's not static, it's always tries to find a way outside into our lives. And here, this guy's desire for more money caused a problem in the family between brothers. Finances can cause a lot of stress in a home and in a greater family. In fact, it's one of the culprits for divorce. Did you realize that? It's one of the highest culprits for divorce. Because people have all these stresses that occur when they're trying to deal with money and their bills and their budget, and you find out one's a saver and one's a spender, and, and one, they don't have rules and how they go about and spend their money. And, and one goes out and goes, I want to buy this tool, or I want to buy that dress, and, and yet there's not money for it, and there's fights and stressors that are going on because of money. I mean, when we're greedy, we want more. We want to just go buy it. And with credit cards, it's instantaneous gratification. I'll pay for it later. I'll get it. I'll just put it in that little, this little credit card genie will get me what I want now. That's what we think. It can solve all of our problems and it gets us into more and more debt. Younger people, when you're going off into college, do not get a credit card. (laughs) It will mess you up. I can't tell how many young people that I've met that have just racked up bill after bill because they don't have a concept of it and they just keep paying for it, paying for it, paying for it. And they don't realize it's It's accruing interest and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the credit card companies are glad to give you a credit card. You've been pre-approved. You can spend all this money. Go ahead. Because we're making money off you. That's what we're doing. So it can be seen in our family conflicts because it causes us to fight as couples. It causes children to say, hey, Dad, can I have this new iPhone? And the dad's like, I can't pay for that. I didn't even have an iPhone when I was a kid. I mean, we had one phone that had a cord that could somehow wrap around the entire house. And my mom could hold on to that cord, cook, and beat me at the same time. Talking to grandma, that's what she could do. And kids today are like, oh, my my phone is so slow. Do you realize what power you have in your hands right now? I mean, we're just lost in it. We don't realize what we have. And it causes conflicts because we think then we deserve it and that we need it. And then that's not good enough. We get that iPhone, and when we want, we have the 6, and then we need the 6 Plus. And, whoa, oh, the seven's out. I need the 7. I I can't have that one. Wow. It's amazing how times have changed and what we feel like we need today. But it causes family conflicts. And what else does greed do? Let's look at this. Look at verse 14. But he said to him, Jesus responds to this guy who comes to him looking for advice. He said, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You can see, he, Jesus always cuts to the heart. And he sees to the heart of this guy. This guy wasn't about the money. He wanted what the money could buy him. And he wanted what his brother had. And it was in, in desire. He, he coveted it. He wanted it. And he was willing to do whatever he could to get what he felt he deserved. And so he uh, he comes to Jesus, and Jesus, though, cuts right through his, through it. And he says, it's not about the abundance of your possessions. And then he tells him a parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. This guy was blessed. He had some fields, and they were yielding some tremendous results. And, he, and this guy thought to himself, what shall I do? For I don't have anywhere to store my crops. I... I'm filled up. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And here's the question. Did this guy really need bigger barns? Yeah, he had extra stuff, but why didn't he be a good steward of it? Why didn't he try to sell it? Why didn't he try to help other people? But see, he's just trying to get fat and hold on to it and not let it go. See, what happens is with greed, it leads to faulty reasoning. Faulty reasoning. See, we'll seek to justify our purchases and our lack of generosity to God through some pretty uh, faulty reasoning. We all do it. It's like the guy who was trying to explain why he bought a new car. He said, I was faced with buying a $32 battery for my old car or just spending 12000 for a new car. And they wanted cash for the battery. See, so he excused it. He tried to find whatever excuse he could. I don't have the cash to do that. But yet, I can put myself in this financial situation and pay for it, make payments on it, on this much newer and nicer car. See, we can rationalize some crazy stuff. We really need it. Or I was going to get it anyway. Or there was a sale and I just had to buy it. it, it, Someone else could have bought it and then they would have my stuff in their house. That's what people do. It's on sale. It's mine. I deserve it. We can rationalize. Trying to buy anything. Now, see next we can see that greed, like in this parable of this rich fool, is really, really a failure to think of other people. It's a failure to think of other people. He didn't think of helping other people out or using the blessing he was given to help others, but instead he was thinking only of helping himself. Now, there was a popular psychiatrist in the 1980s. Uh, He was a very influential kind of interacted with the Who's Who of society, and he had a very wealthy patient. His name, this uh, this doctor was called Carl Menninger. He had a very uh, wealthy patient, and he said to them, what on earth are you going to do with all that money? The patient replied a bit reluctantly, just worry about it, I suppose. Well, Menninger went on, do you get that much pleasure out of worrying about it? No, replied the patient, but I get such terror when I think of giving giving some of it to somebody else. See, greed causes us not to think of others. Instead, we're lost in our worry. And greed is also seen in our frequent stressors, things that stress us out. Jesus explains a great deal of our day-to-day anxieties we see in verse 22. Therefore I tell you do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body what you will put on, for life is more than food and body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? In which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? It stresses us out. Money does, right? I mean, think about it. When you got that new car, you were paranoid about everybody making sure they were getting in and out of that car and they weren't muddy. You didn't want anything to get that car dirty. You didn't want anything to scratch it. And when you're paranoid about keeping it and stressing you out. Before, when you had that other car, you could beat it up left and right. I, I, I like, uh, uh, he's in Sunday school right now, but Tom Barron. Tom, Tom has a, a, I think it's like a 1984 Ford truck. Every time I, I see him coming down the street and I joke with him about it, I hear the song. Sanford's son, for those who know. Seriously, it's Sanford Son. I, I keep seeing Red Fox driving down the street in the truck, and I joke with him about it. And I was I said, "Can I use your truck for something?" He's like, "Fine, just don't scratch the paint," because <laughs> the thing's just rusted all over. <laughs> and he laughs about it, and it's it's good. It's a good way to look at it. It's not a big deal. He's like. It, it's a tool. And I asked him a question. I said, if you could get a brand new truck, what would you get? He goes, I would actually buy this same truck <laughs> in the same year. Just, you know, it, it's been a great truck. He doesn't care about any of that other stuff. I love that. That's a great philosophy to have, a great way to look at it. Because, you know, when we get the new stuff, you get that new clothes, you don't want to get a stain on it, right? Because it causes us stress. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that it's a, it's a stressor for you. He goes, he, he sa- look at it, what he's saying here in the text. Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. Look around you. God takes care of them. You don't have to worry about it, but we're worried all the time. We're worried about, where, where am I going to get that money for that next payment? How will I get that birthday present for my my uh, child's friend's birthday party? And Are my kids growing up so fast, they need new shoes, and They need some new clothes. They're going to be in band or sports. And I'm going to buy those sneakers, and they want curries. And what am I going to do about that? I mean, we got all these stressors that we deal with. This is reality. This is where we live, is it not? We deal with this day in and day out in our lives. And we have stress all the time, financially speaking. And we, we become worried about everything. It's like the guy who constantly worried about everything. Then one day his friend's asked him or heard him whistling happily, and, they, and he was looking noticeably relaxed. They asked him what happened, and he, uh, he responded, I'm paying a man to do my worrying for me. That's not a bad gig, and he says, uh, how much do you, pay? they asked him, how much do you pay him, and he said, $2,000 a week, and he replied, the guy replied, how can you afford that? He goes, I can't, he said, but that's his worry, not mine. See what I'm saying? It causes us to worry. It causes us to be filled with anxiety. And going back to our parable, notice what Jesus says in verse 19. And and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. See what's God saying here to us? He's, he's saying that this guy was greedy, and his focus was only on the here and now. Focus on the here and now. I mean, it's not wrong to focus on life and the daily concerns of life, but it is foolish to not think about life in the light of death. We don't like thinking about death. But God is here Here is reminding us that we all will die one day, and then that wealth is gone. As one man said, do your giving while you're living, then, you know, then you're knowing where you're going. Very true. After death, it goes someplace to someone who is not deserving or did nothing to help you. It's the Ebenezer Scrooge principle. I mean, this guy hoarded and hoarded and hoarded and kept it all unto himself, and all it did was, I mean, he got a picture of his own life at the end of time when he was going to die, and he he'd lost it all, and everyone around was hurt because of it. So he decides to give. See, we've done now an overview of greed, but let's now probe its depths. Let's go way down and really check out uh, what it is for a few minutes. See, what was this rich fool really guilty of? It was greed. But it was based on something else. See, greed is really looking to money and all that it can buy for security. It's looking at money and all that it can buy for security in our lives, we all want a little security. It's like Joe Lewis, the famous boxer, once set of money. I don't necessarily like it, but it quiets my nerves. When I got it, it makes me feel a little bit relaxed. It's like when you're, and, and I shared this before, it's when we were homeless, uh, I mean, not living on the street homeless, but having a hard time finding a job, and I'm living in different people's houses and basements. Man, my faith took on a whole nother realm when I'm looking to God to supply my money, to tear out my bills, and I, and when I got a check, I didn't have to rely so much. I didn't have to rely on the Lord so much and look to Him so much because I had a check that was coming every two weeks. See, so you have a way of God has a way of getting our attention, and, and seeing sometimes that we are looking uh, at the wrong thing for security. I'm looking at the check and not the God who had given it. This guy was basing his security off the money that he had in his retirement, but failed to trust in the Lord had given it to him. So many of us are greedy because we believe that it can buy us security, but it can also buy us significance. Significance. Now this, this plays out in different cultures really, really uh, differently. Um, For example, we think that money or what it can buy gives, it makes us significant. It could be a status symbol. I might drive a BMW or my daughter is a doctor or my son is a lawyer or went to this school. And the, the truth is we look at those with money as more significant than someone else. And that's wrong. That's straight up wrong. The wealthy and the poor are equally made in the image of God, and wealth does not what make one significant. God does. See, God paid the most costly price for your sin, the greatest gift that heaven had to offer, and that was Jesus Christ. Not the money you made, the car you drive, the house you live in, the clothes you wear, or the followers you have. God makes one significant. Not Simon Cowell on America's Got Talent. Not your ability, your intelligence, gender, marital distinction. Uh, status or degree you have, God is the one who makes you significant. There's a, there's a story of this, uh, and some of you have probably undoubtedly heard it, about this auction that was going on, and there was an old violin that was going up for sale, and it looked beat up and, and bruised, and they said, how much will they give me for this? And, and it was said, so they started off with $500, and no one was offering in $250, and then it went down to $100, and then $75, and then $50, and then $10, and this old man stands up and and, uh, the guy's trying to get his attention like we're in the middle of a bid and he goes up and he grabs uh, the violin and he tunes it for a moment and he begins to play it and he plays one of the most beautiful pieces ever heard and people there start to weep and then he puts it back down and he walks and then the the guy who's running the auction he says then let's start that bid over again how about a thousand and people all started bidding because see that, that object had been touched by the master's hand See, God is the one that makes you significant. It's God that touches your life and makes you who you are. It's not your background. It's not your intelligence. It's not your bank account. It's not your education, the initials behind your name. That means nothing in the sight of God at the end of time. He is the one who determines who you are and what a human being is worth. He is the one that gives dignity. And that's what all of us want, is it not? Dignity? We all want dignity. We want to be heard, we want to be respected. And God is the ultimate one who gives us that dignity. That's where, in, in Christ, all of those barriers that we have, but there's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. All of the, the different racism, all of the different uh, the sexism, all of the different ageism and status and poor and rich are all removed in Christ because we find all of our identity in Him because it is He who determines who we are. So there's not room for that in the kingdom of God. We have to abandon that. And that's been my prayer, is that God would make us diverse from all different backgrounds, all different socioeconomic levels and educational levels, that it would be a true testimony to who Jesus is. Because it's in him we have this newness of life. And see, that's why we have to get rid of our greed. It's because really it's trusting in something else rather than in God. And it's saying that God is not enough and I need something else to satisfy me. That's what it ultimately is. So we need to, to understand that and abandon that. We look to that for our security, our significance, and our success. Money doesn't always bring success. And having it doesn't mean a person is one. Success really boils down to the relationships we have with the people in our lives. It's not money. It's not your spouse, car, stuff, or how many people following you or how much power you have. Success is loving and serving those around you. Jesus redefined success. And at the end of the day, greed is completely selfish. Selfish. It's completely selfish. Charles Swindoll, a great pastor, he said, he tells the story of an old rich man uh, with a cranky, miserable attitude. He visited a rabbi who lived a very simple life. They weren't together, together very long before the rabbi got a wonderful idea on how to illustrate to the man that his cranky attitude was wrong. He took, by the hand, took him by the hand and led him over to his window and he said, now look out the window and tell me what you see. As the man stood there, he said, well... I see some men and women, and I see a few children. Fine, said the rabbi. The rabbi then took him by the hand and led him across the room to a mirror. Now look and tell me what you see. The man frowned and said, well, obviously I see myself. Interesting, the rabbi replied. In the window there is glass. In the mirror there there is glass too. But the glass of the mirror is covered with a little bit of silver. And no sooner is the silver added, You 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 fail to see others. You only see yourself. In other words, we get a little bit of money. We start looking at ourselves rather than the people around us. Focus on yourself and lose the people around you. Focus on God and he will help you gain them. See, the next step then is we're to get rid of this greed. We have to follow God's prescription. Follow God's prescription. God knows who we are, how we think, and the sins that we have to deal with in the day in and day out. And if we're to follow God's prescriptions, we need to think biblically. We have to go back to the Bible. We can't remove ourselves from the Bible. We can't go beyond the Bible. No matter how much the culture has changed, the Bible is constant. Now, you may not believe this, but several pounds ago, I used to dance, Um, and I actually took some uh, classes because I thought I was going to be in musical theater, and I took a class in ballet. I was so bad at it, they put me in with a bunch of junior high girls, but. Uh, I was this high school senior taking a ballet class with these middle school girls. And I did it to help my inflexibility, but I wanted to learn how to dance. And they were trying to teach me how to spin. And, and I'm not going to do it for you. That'll, that won't end well on the video. No, no way. No. I gotta pre- I have time. So let's focus. No. Okay. I'm, so, I'm going to get in a position now. Turn the camera off. All right, so I'd be in this position, right, and they tell you how to do a spin. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Tell you how to spin. And when you would spin, you had to learn how to do multiple spins. The thing is, is what happens when you start spinning around? You get dizzy, right? You get dizzy. So what do you have to do when you dance? Every time they tell you, you spin, and then you have to snap your head back. And focus on one point. And you keep going around and you keep looking at that one point so you don't get dizzy. See, the Bible is where that focus point. Because life is going to be throwing us stuff all the time that we're going to get dizzy. But we keep snapping our head back to the Word of God. So the Word of God keeps us focused. So we don't get dizzy in what we're going through. And we have to think biblically. When we're looking back to greed and we have stuff coming in all the time, we go online, we're inundated with ads. And we see our friends around us see to get the newest technology and the newest house and the bigger stuff. And we're inundated with it and it could creep in and we want those things. We have to snap our head back to the Word of God and say, what does the Bible tell us how we are to live, how we are to do? So we have to go back and let the Word of God determine how we are to live, what we are to value how we are to conduct our lives. That's the first step. The second thing we need to do is learn to trust Him completely. Trust Him completely. We look back at our text. Do not be anxious about your life. Look at the the lilies of the field. They neither labor or spin, and God Himself takes care of them. Do you think He's not going to take care of you? You are worth more than many sparrows. You're worth more than a pet. You're worth more than an animal. You are made in the image of Almighty God. He fashioned you. He created you. You are infinitely valuable to Him. So valuable that He gave the most precious gift that Heaven had to offer for you, and that was Jesus Himself. That is the greatest gift that God could give was of Himself, for you. For you. God gave himself for you. And we have to learn to trust in him. Trust him completely. See, this rich fool didn't trust in God. Rather, he only trusted in himself. He failed to recognize that it was God who gave him that blessing. He thought he'd done it. See, we're to trust in the Lord, which means honoring him first and then allowing him to take care of us. He has proven time and time again that when his people trust in him, especially in regards to money, that he will take care of them. Greed. Is really atheism played out with our money? Greed is atheism played out with our money. It's that God isn't the Lord of my money and I'm an unbeliever and I'm going to look to money to satisfy me rather than God. Greed is atheism played out with our money. We need to learn to trust Him completely. Next, we need to live simply. Live simply. Now, God shows uh, to us through his word that if God takes care of the lilies of the field, he's going to take care of us when we trust in him and do what he tells us to do. This guy didn't trust in God. Rather, he trusted only in himself and his ability. We're to trust in the Lord, which means honoring him first and allowing him to take care of us. Trust him completely and live simply. Now, it's interesting. How do we simplify our lives? Notice what Jesus wants them to do. He says, Sell your possessions, in verse 33, and give to the needy. Sell your possessions. Is God calling you to do that? Perhaps. I think he is calling us to simplify our lives. You know, it reminds me of going to an estate sale, and it's neat to go to an estate sale and look at other people's stuff, but from a theological perspective, it's very depressing. Because what it is is that this person died, leaving all their stuff behind, and leaving other people are trying to get the lowest deal on their stuff. That's kind of depressing, isn't it, not? they leave all their stuff behind and now you're coming into their home and they wouldn't talk to you before, but yeah, you can get their stuff for dirt cheap prices. Our stuff, we, how about try to thin ourselves out now? Why not try to get rid of our things now? Why not try to simplify our life? Go through your closet, start picking through and get rid of different things. Give it away. Simplify your life. You don't need all that stuff. You don't need the biggest flat screen TV. You're like, well, I gotta see the game. Okay? Right now, you can see the game from your neighbor's house because your TV's so big. <laughs> you don't need that. You don't need all that new stuff. I mean, I think about when I was a kid, I, we, had, we had a black and white TV that was this big. You had to turn it on and wait for it to warm up. And now, it's they're so big that I can see things that I don't care to see on the player's. But we think we need all this stuff. We need to simplify our lives. I like what Pastor Paul Tan wrote. There are many things that money cannot buy. Money can buy a bed, but not sleep. Books, but not brains. Food, but not an appetite. Finery, but not beauty. A house, but not a home. Medicine, but not health. Pleasures, but not peace. Luxuries, but not culture. Amusements, but not joy. A crucifix, but not a savior a church building, but not heaven. Money can't buy you love, can buy many things, but simplifying our lives is also therapeutic and helping us to live for God and not for stuff. And last, but certainly not least, we need to learn how to give generously. Give generously to the Lord. Why was the rich fool condemned? Because he wasn't rich toward God. That's why. Notice once the parable is over, Jesus says this in verse 32, fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God delights in giving you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's saying then, give to God, because that investment will always return. When you put your hope in God and what he has for you through Christ, then you will be generous to other people. And we have to practice the spiritual discipline of giving a portion of our income so that God's kingdom might be furthered here and all over the world, that people who do not yet know who he is might come to the saving knowledge of who he is. We're to put the kingdom of God first. That's where it comes out of our check. It's that right off the top, we give that to the Lord For many of us, it's an afterthought. It's what we're, we're left over rather than giving God our first and our best. We're to give generously, and that's hard to do. And it's not about the amount, but the attitude of the heart. And we talked about this last week. God has blessed us but I, and we were looking at our budget for the month of August, and we made budget in the month of August. I think it was one of the first months we really made budget. It was great. And I praise the Lord for those who were giving so sacrificially and faithfully. But I was looking at the statistics, and, and my, my heart kind of went down when I saw that 49% of those who regularly attend the church, those households, failed to give. That hurts me. That hurts me. Because really it's about discipleship. And yeah, it's not about the budget. I mean, that's part of it, but it's really about the attitude of the heart. Do you trust God in relation to your monies? Now, I know some people in certain situations and you can't give, but there's so many that can. We want to make sure that we are being generous with what God has given us. Greed is not good. We want to be able to give it away. And a good way to cure greed is by giving it away. But the question is, and that's what I want to end today where's your heart? Where is your treasure? Is God your finest treasure? How do we provide ourselves with money bags that don't grow old? By putting our treasure on money bags that are heavenly ones. Give to God and others generously. I know it's tough to give, but it's even tougher not to. God gave the greatest gift that heaven had to offer for us through his son. And we can seek to give back to him, not as a means of repayment, but acknowledging that, we are, that he is the Lord of our life and we are simply being good stewards of what he's entrusted and blessed us with. And that will increase our joy and trust in God. Make sure you give to him. Don't be greedy. Trust in him, and he will take care of you. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, you have blessed us, and you've spoken a great deal about our money. And, Lord, there are some here today that are seriously struggling. And, Lord, I understand that. Uh, Having been there, having had to sleep on that pullout couch and uh, watching my kids sleep on cushions and wondering where my money was going to go and how we were going to pay our bills and how you were going to provide. Lord, I understand what that's like. I understand what it's like, in the, the, the feeling of helplessness and hopelessness, having to rely on others and their generosity. And Lord, you have blessed us so much here in this country. And while it never seems enough when we look at ourselves in comparison to the rest of the world, we are rich. So Lord, please help us to give for the furtherance of kingdom. Help us to give back to you. Help us to trust in you what you have done for us how you gave your son to die on the cross for our sins that so through him we might have newness of life Lord, help us not to be greedy but help us to annihilate the sin help us to to simplify our lives and do that which the scripture uh, tells and prescribes us to do that your name might receive glory and that people might look at our lives and see that you are truly the lord of our lives that we also might increase in joy our knowledge of who you are bless us and use us for the glory of your name